The countdown to summer is on. Wenatchee Apple Sox Baseball returns on June 2nd, and it's time to meet the newest members of the 2023 team with this week's roster release. Here are your hosts, the voice of the Apple Sox, Joel Norman, and head coach, Mitch Darlington. We're back with another edition of the Apple Sox roster release podcast as we are heading to the end of March, getting into the start of April. It's starting to slowly warm up, although I've been told from afar it's not as warm quite yet in Wenatchee. I'm Joel Norman. We're joined by the head coach of the Apple Sox, Mitch Darlington. Mitch, you're obviously a little bit closer to what's the weather been like out there. Are we getting a little bit closer to baseball weather around the corner here? Yeah, the snow is starting to melt a little bit. We're starting to see some grass um, up here in Chelan. You know, the high school team just had a home game here the other day. So baseball's being played in the area. It's just a, a cu- short couple months away from uh, having some Apple Sox baseball back. Have you had a chance to make it to any games? There's been plenty of uh, opportunities that are slowly coming up. I know you and I have been talking about games we've been watching. Have you made it to any games, whether it's Chelan or any college ones yet? Yeah, I had a chance yesterday to walk down. You know, our house in Chelan, we live, you know, less than a mile walk from the Chelan baseball field. So had a chance to push dash and go for a, a little family walk down there and catch some high school baseball. So uh, kind of scratched the itch, but uh, not quite not quite the college level yet where I, I can really get out there and, and do a little more recruiting. Yeah, no, I hear you. I went to a couple of Nebraska games here myself. Wanted to go today, the day we're recording the podcast. I woke up and there was a little bit of snow outside, so we bagged that pretty quick. But hopefully warming up later this week, hoping to get to a couple there. Figure we should start off by, you know, before we dive into the roster this week, Mitch, since it's been a little while since we've had a chance to chat in one of these podcasts in this way, talking about some of the Apple Sox alums we've been keeping an eye on. Uh, there was a lot of guys the last two days. We're recording on the Sunday before the release of this podcast, and there's a lot of guys who shined earlier this weekend that I really noticed. Matt Hallback, I thought, really stood out Friday for UC San Diego. Uh, three for four night, two doubles, a home run, two runs, and a three RBI, and three runs driven in, and an eight to three win over Cal State Bakersfield. I don't think it should surprise anyone that that day improved his hitting streak to 10 games, which unfortunately was snapped the next day. But uh, nice to see him with a big one. A ton of guys on Saturday. You might have a couple of these, but I want to ask you, do you have any guys you really saw from this weekend, whether they're former Apple Sox or incoming Apple Sox who really stood out? Yeah, a guy off last year's team actually was flipping through ESPN Plus and got a chance to watch a, a couple games of his. Uh, Grant Sherrod, he's on the tear right now for USC Upstate, hitting 333, five homers in uh, in 22 games, as well as six doubles and two triples. So just absolutely hammering the baseball right now. So good to see that from Grant. Uh, I think I think our fans kind of got a taste of what Grant could be down that final month of the season when he got hot. When he's seeing the ball well, man, there's there's not many guys with that are that dangerous and uh, have some raw, just natural power as Grant does. Yeah, it seemed like he gained so much confidence, like you mentioned, down the stretch. And it's so cool seeing that payoff right now at uh, South Carolina Upstate. So great work by him. Saturday, other action I noticed, uh, Cole Miller was a big part of Washington's win over UCLA on Saturday night. Bunt base hit, run scored in that three-run top of the 10th inning to beat number seven UCLA. He's hitting 298 through their first 18 games played. Uh, Cole Hatton, a year before you, 2021, had a complete game on Saturday for St. Martin's and a 5-4 to four win over Northwest Nazarene. Nine innings. They didn't have the pitch count listed. Four runs and seven strikeouts for him in that one. Another 21 Apple Sox alum, Logan Mercado. Six innings pitched on Saturday. Uh, two runs given up, five strikeouts in game one of an eventual doubleheader sweep for Oregon over Northwestern State. And so that was really huge to see. We'd also be remiss if we didn't mention Mason Philly. Boy, I feel like he's had a lot of stuff recently as well, Mitch. Uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello's new all-time strikeout leader. He's one of those guys in that territory of the, you know, never graduating type of range, kind of the Xander Orohudos territory, maybe fifth or sixth year, seventh year potentially guy. But regardless, an incredible feat for him. So fun to see a lot of these former guys shining this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought up Mason Philly, uh, you know, like you mentioned, broke the all-time Monticello strikeout um, strikeouts record, and then yesterday passed 300 career strikeouts. Um, man, that guy is just an absolute worker. Uh, I, I really hope, in some capacity, he gets some sort of a shot at pro ball, uh, whether it's a free agent signing or in the draft. I think 
his work ethic and he, uh, his velos increased. And he, he's just a guy that I think he's, he's one of those guys that could get in there and just make a run and, and he's just going to work his tail off for you. So I, I really want to see where Mason Philly ends up going after this. Yeah. You talk about that work ethic. I just saw so many videos of him in the off season throwing, looked like he got his velocity up just a little bit. Love to see that kind of enthusiasm. I like that jacket he had in that graphic. That the the three hundred he had the jacket like the sport coat or whatever on top of the jersey it looked pretty slick. I was like I was like that's pretty cool. I like their hats they had too. Really good uh good looks for the Arkansas Monticello program. A couple of incoming socks teamed up for a big win. I'm sure Mike Callia was thrilled about this one. Michael Shores and Joey Pearson yesterday for, for Saturday. This is game one of the of the doubleheader for Lower Columbia with Lynn Benton. Of course, that's the defending NWAC champions, Lynn Benton, Schwarz and Pearson combined to not allow any runs and a two to nothing win, two to nothing win in game one of that doubleheader. Schwarz tossed seven and a third scoreless before Pearson would toss an inning and two thirds scoreless. We talked about this before that lower Columbia program has always had talented pitching. And I think Apple Sonics fans are going to get a great taste of that this coming summer and Michael Schwarz and Joey Pearson. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, as well as uh, Easton Amundsen has been tearing the cover off the ball as well. One more guy I want to shout out since you brought up Lynn Benton, not returning this year, but Cole Kramer. I, man, I wish we would we wish wish we would have had room for him, but he's hitting like high three hundreds. Uh, still uncommitted, as far as I know of. I think he's going to be a great get for some four year school. Um, playing shortstop for them. People who follow the NWAC know Lynn Benton's one of the top top JCs in the area. So really want to promote his name and get him out there, man. Cole Kramer is a is a heck of a player, and uh, he's going to be a great a great get for a four-year school. Great hitter, great corner infielder. He was such a – another – we keep highlighting this all the time, but it just felt like the Apple Sox did not miss a beat late in the season when they were losing guys because of additions just like him. And I saw in that game that they lost to Lower Columbia. He was batting third in that game. So a big part of the Lynn Benton lineup. So, Mitch, after that, I mean, uh, let's see. As we get into the roster release here, um, I, I, I should mention it, though. We have the World Baseball Classic come to a conclusion. What would you think about that? I don't know if you got a chance to catch some of that. I was back and forth this past week. But, boy, the ending of that on Tuesday sure was pretty fun, wasn't that? Oh, man, that was like something straight out of a movie script with Shohei Itani going against Mike Trout. That was fun. You know, I the, the funny thing about that was – you know, going into it, people, oh, you know, these guys aren't going to play hard. It doesn't matter to them. You could just see the emotion, the passion. It, it was just such a fun World Baseball Classic to watch. It's it, it was it was just awesome. It was so fun, even with some of the unfortunate injuries that came of it. Just a really fun to see some of that happen. I'd rather see that kind of baseball in March than spring training pretty much any day. So that was a lot of fun. We're getting so close. The, the day that we're going to release this podcast will be MLB opening day. So that's pretty exciting. That one's checked off. College baseball opening day checked off. All we're waiting for now is summer collegiate baseball and for the West Coast League and just about two months away from the start of that. Mitch, we've got five players to detail this week, and we've probably got about a month or so left of these uh, weekly releases. So we're getting near that midway point of this roster. Let's start with our first player of this week, who we got to introduce joining the Apple Sox here this summer. Yeah, first guy I want to – uh, announced for this week is Franklin Carney. He goes by Frankie Carney and he is at UC Irvine. UC Irvine for, for our fans that somewhat remember that is the school that Joichiro Oyama uh, was heading into last summer. So he's currently teammates with Joe. From what I've gotten from their head coach is a left-handed batter, really good speed, likes to get on the bases, likes to run. He's a middle infielder. Defense is one of his strengths. Really good glove up the middle. So we could see him, you know, bouncing between shortstop, second base. But again, you know, not a ton of power, but en enough uh, enough to get on base, make things happen. And and, uh, and I'm excited. He, he hasn't gotten into any games yet. I'm sure you'll touch on that. But he's going to, in my opinion, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that is itching to get some games under his belt, get out here this summer and get in the lineup consistently and make some things happen for us. So uh, he's going to bring a ton of energy, ton of speed uh, and a good glove up the middle, which uh, all, all three, all the, all things I'd love to hear. I think sometimes when fans, you mentioned he hasn't played yet this season at UC Irvine. I think sometimes fans may see that and, and wonder a little bit, Hmm, is that person, you know, part of their plans or not? Could that be the case or not? And 
it's worth knowing that sometimes that's the best case scenario for us, the Apple Sox, that is, because that means these players are going to come in and they're going to get a lot of reps with us. As we mentioned, he hasn't gotten any of this year. Frankie Carney, a San Diego native, great year last year in his senior year of high school at St. Augustine High School. And he had 402, a 1.149 OPS and 18 stolen bases. Just phenomenal work. First team All-Western League. Played in the East versus West All-Star game at Petco Park. Great numbers for him. And he has summer ball experience. Got in 15 games last year in the South Florida Collegiate League for the West Palm Beach Knights and hit 308 with them. So I'm sure he's going to be pretty fired up to get an opportunity this summer and fight to prove his worth as a college baseball player. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's hearing things from, you know, Joe Ichiro, who's said nothing but great things about Apple Sox baseball. So I think that's kind of fired up Frankie to – to get up here and play for us, you know, and the other great thing about UC Irvine is, you know, their coach has an expectation for their players of, you know, they, they show up a little later, they show up about mid June because they're on quarters, but their expectations that they stay full season um, and, and they don't leave until the season ends. So as we touched on, I feel like a million times from last year, that's huge for me knowing that this guy's going to come in here and he's not going to be leaving in July. And then I'm going to be scrambling to find more players. He's going to be with us and committed to finish out the season and make a playoff run. So really, really important when you can get schools that agree to that and, and players that are on board with that. Oh, it'll be fantastic. But so like worth worth mentioning again that won't be here to start the season, but once he arrives, we'll be here till the end. So nice to have that. And if you're a fan wondering, well, wait a second, Joe Ichiro Oyama played every game last year. Oyama, of course, was transferring from Merced to UC Irvine. So he had just finished up his junior college year, joined the Apple Sox in time for opening day, and then finished the summer before then officially going to UC Irvine. So as you mentioned with Frankie Carney, though, a guy who can bring some of that on-base energy to the Apple Sox, it seems like in the West Coast League, from the last few years from what I've seen, it favors more the on-base guys than the power hitters. It's nice when there are those guys, but frankly, we're not going to get a lot of those proven power hitters at this level in general. And I think a lot of guys have almost resorted to playing older school baseball, finding ways to get on because they are using those wood bats as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, like you mentioned with the wood bats, you know, we're not getting very many guys that are running, you know, seven, eight, nine home runs out of the yard in a summer. So you got to manufacture runs and especially in summer baseball, man, we're all about putting pressure on the other team. Uh, anyone that came out to a game last year saw the Apple Sox are going to bunt. We're going to hit and run. We're going to, we're going to put the game in motion. We love to steal light guys with speed. So <laughs> Frankie's going to be great for that, man. He's going to be what we're all about uh, as a coaching staff. Yeah, that high OPS we mentioned in high school, can't really talk about that enough. And you mentioned the home run numbers. Just to give people an idea for the Apple Sox last year, team's leader in home runs was Brandon Ponce, four in the regular season, one more in the postseason, just five. It's it's a quick season. It's going to fly by. And you look at you know a 54-game regular season, the record was set back in 2017. That was set by Bellingham's Chase Illig, who I always love to bring up as a West Virginia grad. Of course, he also went there. But it's just the, the number he hit that season, it's not very common. He had 15 that year in 43 games. So there's not going to be a lot of home runs in the summer. Frankly, if you get double digit, that's that's pretty impressive all on its own. So you have to have these kind of table setters to find ways to get on base and then also advance other guys as well. So with Frank, as we mentioned, though, great numbers from him all around. And I, I do really think it's going to be huge that – we're hoping to get some action at UC Irvine, but the way things are going at this point in the season, we're talking now at the end of March. If you haven't been getting into a ton of games at this point, would you agree? It's mostly because unless there's an injury, you're kind of on that bench spot. Hey, we're going to need you every once in a while, or you're maybe officially or quite not quite officially redshirting for the year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing to keep in mind with UC Irvine is the way their coach and coaching staff kind of runs it, they really bring in younger guys and then develop them until it's their time to play. I mean, we all saw Joichiro Oyama last summer. I mean, not the easiest guy to beat out at second base or third base or wherever you're trying to get in the infield. So, you know, those good programs bring in freshmen that are really good players. And, and sometimes they redshirt and sit for a year. I mean, you saw Enzo Apodaca at Gonzaga, another great program. The summer before, redshirted and then got a full summer under his belt, and they developed him. And and then his next year, his you know redshirt freshman year, 
he's a freshman All-American. It's definitely not a talent issue. It's uh, it's just a development, and it's a program that's just developing their guys and building building that culture. And even University of Washington right now, I don't think we have to talk much about what Ivar Arquette did last summer, led the Apple Sox in RBI, middle of the order bat, hasn't played yet this spring. And that's pretty much because he stuck behind Cam Clayton, who was a year older than him. And like you said, Mitch, this just happens sometimes. You might be the best high school prospect, but if the guy ahead of you at that school right now is the placeholder and he is at a point where he is higher in his development, maybe because he's a year or two older, he's going to play more. And sometimes you you take that route. Maybe you wait a year. And the portal has also opened things up. Uh, right now, I'm as I mentioned, I'm in hockey season. We've been having a huge discussion about the transfer portal in college hockey and how that affects guys. And it's very real in baseball as well, whether it's junior college to pro or junior college to, you know, division one college or whatever it may be. But that's very much part of it too. So a lot of wheels still in motion. And kind of with this thought in mind, we can kind of move into our next player as well, because he's in a similar situation where he has not played in any games yet this year. And he's also at UC Irvine. Who's the second player we're announcing this week, Mitch? Yep. Second guy on deck is Cole McGowan. He is an outfielder from UC Irvine. Him and Frankie are kind of similar players, and that was what their coach uh, had mentioned on the phone. Both these guys, just you know, going back a little bit here, both these guys were placed with us probably three, four days after our season ended. Coach Ben Orloff at UC Irvine called. He had talked to Joe. Joe had a great experience. He loved the way we kind of, our, our philosophy as far as getting guys on, letting guys have the green light, stealing a lot of bags. Um, and giving guys that freedom to run when they need to. And so he said, hey, I got two guys that are just going to be great fits for you that are freshmen for me. Um, and it's Frankie, Carney, and Cole McGowan, both left-handed bats, both with really good speed, you know, not a ton of power where they're going to be slugging balls out of the yard, but guys that get on base, guys that make things happen for you. And and, and Cole, again, another really good defensive outfielder, at which, which is very important at our park. You know, we got a big outfield, wind blows out to right. So a couple of left-handed bats to mix in there, as well as a great defensive outfielder. I'm really excited about both these guys and the fit that they're going to have with our team. Not a ton of information out there for Cole McGowan. It's hard with guys pretty much unless you're in the college level to have a ton. Uh, perfect game, ranked him the number 518th outfielder nationally, number 310 for prospects in California, and the 58th best outfielder in the state of California, attended Redwood High School, San Rafael, California native, uh, you know, tri-sport athlete in high school, baseball, football, and rugby, throwing that one in there. Pretty neat, a little bit change of pace there. But uh, you mentioned the two guys who can get on base, two guys from the Anteaters program. And Mitch, you mentioned it a little bit, but you said it seemed like the experience of Joichiro Oyama is a big reason why the Apple Sox have two players coming to them from UC Irvine who are currently at the school heading to the Apple Sox, then going back to school. Yep, absolutely. And I feel like we've touched on this before, but, you know, the guys that play for us are our biggest salesmen. You know, they, they have a great summer out here. They're put with quality host parents. They have great experiences out here, meet, you know, meeting new guys and just treated well overall. And then a part of, a, obviously, a good baseball team in the Apple Sox. And then they head back and, it, you know, as long as they have nothing but great things to say about us, we end up getting better players and, and, and it kind of feeds on itself. So really important to, uh, you know, find quality host parents, find quality people, find quality coaches just to be around these guys for a summer. And, and it helps us in the long run so much. Yeah, such a big part of that as well. You mentioned that both Carney and McGowan were signed pretty early on. Have you had a chance to chat with either of them very much over uh, the month since then, because haven't played this year, you know, is that something where you're just checking to see if you know, are they are they healthy? Is it just a matter if there's just not a spot for them right now or anything like that? Yeah, just, just most of the conversations after the initial phone call, uh, you know, just kind of texting once in a while and checking in. No, neither one of them has an injury problem, nothing like that. Like we mentioned before, it's just guys right now are ahead of them. Uh, UC Irvine is having a good year and, and they're, you know, a top 25 team nationally. So that, that's really just what it is. They're, they're just developing and, uh, and learning behind some really good players right now. No, it's a great team this season. And frankly, Joe Ichiro Oyama is a big reason why hitting 286 for them right now. UC Irvine 13 and six at the time of this recording, they've had some big games played Gonzaga a few weeks ago. 
uh, splitting a pair of games against them. Those were two pretty fun matchups, though, both times. So uh, they're, they're, they're a solid team taking on Cal Poly this weekend. One, uh, they split the first two games, taking them on uh, this afternoon at the time that we're we're chatting as well. But uh, it's going to it's gonna be fun to see what they can do. The, the program's on the rise again with them, and I think – it's been fun to follow what Joe Ichiro has done from afar. Uh, he had three hits on Friday, so we'll we'll see. We'll have to see if McGowan and it gets into any games. See if we get a chance to see Carney in any as well. But again, like I mentioned, I don't think it's the worst thing for the Apple Sox. I think fans should be excited about that because you brought up the Enzo Apodaca example. Your redshirt a year, you treat the summer like it's the spring, and you get guys who are really bought in. But we hope things can uh, work out in a similar fashion right there. You mentioned a moment ago, Mitch, that sometimes our players are the biggest recruiters for the Apple Sox. I think that's the perfect segue into the third announcement here this week. It's a familiar last name that plenty of fans are going to remember from last season. Yep. So uh, our next player that we will announce, Nick Putnam, younger brother of Apple Sox pitcher Jake Putnam. Nick is currently at UC Santa Barbara, uh, another really, really good program in the Big West. Had a lot of history of success here these last 10 years. And Nick is a six foot six catcher, right-handed, right-handed stick. A lot of power with Nick. The speed, that sort of thing isn't as much his game as far as he can hit doubles, a lot of juice in the bat, and and pretty solid defensively behind the dish. The big thing that you know he needs to work on is just cleaning up a little bit, some of the blocking, some of the receiving. And, and so that's going to be his main focus this summer, as well as getting, you know, just getting the lineup consistently and getting a ton of at-bats. Another really good program where it's tough to crack that lineup. I'm sure you'll touch on it here, but, you know, some former Apple Sox are playing for UC Santa Barbara. I, be, I believe it's, is it John Newman? Yeah, John Newman Jr. is there right now. Is with the team in 2000. 21 um, a couple other guys if i'm not mistaken i recognize several of the other names from the west coast league so this is just another one of those california programs though that really has fed into the west coast league yep yep and so like i was kind of referencing there you know just some older upperclassmen that are seeing some time behind the dish which is kind of why nick hasn't gotten in any games yet but uh, a really talented kid and, and it's fun to have that uh, that family connection uh, with the putnams there's been a lot of different families, pretty notable families, who have had multiple members play for the Apple Sox. Four different members of the Gebbers family played. And, of course, I think there were a couple of different, different cousins who also were in there as well. Probably could trace that back to some of the origin years. The Tolia brothers, Michael Tolia, now with the Colorado Rockies. His younger brother, Zach, also played. Marco Gonzalez with the Mariners. His younger brother, Alex, also played. No pressure on Nick Putnam, Jake Putnam. Either you're going to have to, one of you is going to have to become a major leaguer or form, you know, a pretty solid <laughs> Apple company as well. One, one or the other, you know, no shame, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. My point is there's some great names who've come through who were sets of brothers, siblings, whatever it be as family members. And hopefully this can be a, a continuing trend here. Jake was a great part of last summer's team. And you mentioned that, you know, he was really, Really exciting you about his, his younger brother once he signed with the team. Oh, yeah. Another one of those that, you know, had such a great experience, uh, you, you know, didn't want to leave, wanted to make sure his brother was sent here. I got to still tell a funny uh, Jake Putnam story since we're talking about him and his brother. So the season ends, you know, we're, we're in Bellingham. And for our fans that don't know, it's not like we really get to come back to Wenatchee and have a big end of the year team meeting and collect jerseys and pants. You know, guys are taking flights the next day out of Seattle. Guys are getting in their cars like CJ Horn driving back to Indiana. So we're going through all the jerseys and we realize, hey, I think it's 24. It was Jake Putnam's jersey is missing. And I'm like, man, that is not like Jake. If you know Jake, he is like he turns stuff in. He's on time everywhere. Uh, very organized and and and. Uh, mature kid so I called Jake and I'm like hey man what's up where's your jersey at what's going on he's like coach I hate to do this to you but I'm taking it with me you'll see it when uh when you sign my brother he'll bring it back to you and so really I had no choice but to sign Nick Putnam and it, otherwise we'd be missing a jersey this next summer oh we can't have that cannot be doing that at all so <laughs> I, is it safe to say we're gonna expect Nick Putnam to be wearing number 24 this coming summer 
I think so. I think uh, he's going to continue that tradition. They're both big kids. I, I want to say Jake's probably right around 6'6 as well. So should fit him good. And uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see him wearing his older brother's jersey. No pressure either with that as well, of course. <laughs> I'm looking at their bios right now. Jake is listed on Santa Clara's website as six foot five. And you know, Jake is technically he's technically a redshirt freshman. It's another one of those COVID mysteries because got to school in 2020, freshman, didn't appear in a game, COVID year anyway. Redshirt 2021 after appearing in two games, appeared in three games technically in 2022. So this is technically his third straight year, I believe, as a redshirt freshman, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, regardless, either way, he's been he's been hanging around there. I'd have to double check his eligibility. I always ask guys individually. Nick Putnam, the younger brother, true freshman this year, both of them Danville, California natives. He's listed a little bit taller at six foot six. So it's um it's it's kind of it's neat seeing a couple of guys coming to the team in different positions though. And it'd be so cool if there was any way Jake was coming back with Nick being a catcher, Jake being a pitcher. I, I don't know if Nick got down to any games at all last year. Sometimes we see the siblings come down. That would sure be cool if that was something for you where you got a chance to be told, you know, hey, here's someone you should sign for next year. Here's a chance to meet him. But, uh, you know, hopefully there's been a lot of great stuff that Jake's been able to talk about with Nick about the Apple Sox. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like I have a good feel for Nick just because of being around Jake and, uh, you know, long bus rides. We'd sit and sit and talk with Jake about, his younger brother, because, you know, I, I originally I saw him through Twitter and was like, hey, there's a Putnam kid that just signed with UC Santa Barbara, you know, and Jake's like, of course, yeah, that's my that's my younger brother. So that's when conversations started about Nick. And, you know, I kind of already had the wheels turning of, OK, but, you know, would he be interested in coming up here next summer and playing for us? And, you know, one thing led to another and we, we got him uh, signed here. Should be exciting. What have you learned about Nick, both from Jake and both from what you've seen with his his work? Uh, j- just another one of those guys that's a really great worker, um, a guy that's going to be committed to staying here for a full summer, just like his brother was. You know, Jake was the type of guy that he, he was team first. You know, he wanted to come in here and he he was all about, hey, we're trying to win a West Coast League championship. And so I, I know that Nick's going to kind of have that same approach. You know, he's going to be – out here to get his work in but ultimately he's a part of something bigger than himself and he's going to know that and want to contribute to you know the tradition and and the success we're building here with the Apple Sox baseball really really love hearing that type of thing Nick Stance last year as a senior 2022 253 batting average in 27 games 17 runs scored 16 RBI two doubles and two home runs so it's I always say take these high school stats with a grain of salt, smaller sample size than what you'll get both in summer as well as in, in your college season. But nonetheless, impressive numbers there. Mitch, I believe this is the first catcher that we're talking about for the Apple Sox. So there's always going to be a few guys over the course of the summer, and that's a position regardless of the level that you kind of put an extra little spotlight on because there's a lot of pressure with that, working with pitchers. Sometimes in the summer, the, the catchers will call their own game. Sometimes they go from the dugout. Last year, if I'm not mistaken, you let catchers that we had call their own game. Understandably so. I think catcher was an obvious strength of last year's team. Yep, yep. You know, and especially, you know, during the summer, I want our I want our catchers to have a feel for the pitching staff. And, you know, the, ultimately the way they're going to get there is by calling the game themselves. You know, they got to they gotta learn what guys throw, what they like, uh, what they can locate for a strike what's their swing and miss pitch, you know, and what they're comfortable blocking, whether it be a breaking ball in the dirt, what they're comfortable calling with runners on base. And that's really how our catchers are going to grow. And, and honestly, I think it's a selling point, you know, for us to bring in quality catchers is I think coaches want to send guys to a place where, you know, they're going to learn how to call the game. They're going to develop and they're, and ultimately they're going to get a ton of work behind the dish. So that's what we're expecting Nick to get this summer. Nick Putnam with the Apple Sox, second straight year with the Putnam on the team, will he be staying probably the same host parents as his brother potentially or somewhere else? Yeah, he actually has the same uh, host family. Jake stayed with my uncle uh, Brian and, and, and my aunt Lori <laughs> last summer. So uh, as soon as we signed Nick, I, I, Jake's parents had kind of been texting with my uncle and aunt. And they were like, hey, we want we want the younger brother this year. So, you know, they've also mentioned like if Jake wants to come back, we'll blow up an airbed. They can sleep. They can both stay at the house. So he will. They'll, they'll have a very similar experience. Very cool. Very neat to keep the family connection. So that's the third player, as we mentioned, joining the Apple Sox 
here for this week. With all the talk about the Putnam family this week, we thought we would catch up with Jake Putnam, who pitched for the Apple Sox last season in the 2022 playoff run. Jake pitched in 12 games, all in relief, before then pitching in one postseason game. In the regular season, he was 2-1 with a 4.03 ERA, 3 saves in 29 innings, as well as 31 strikeouts, 14 walks, and 19 hits given up. Putnam was used late in the season as a back-end quality bullpen arm and a lot of times in those save situations. But the fun thing about watching him come on to pitch is he was a lot of times coming on to pitch two or more innings. He only had three games in the 2022 season in which he pitched an inning or less. Everything else of his other 10 of his other 13 outings were two or more innings, including a stretch where he tossed three consecutive games of at least three in the third in each, July 24th, 29th, and August 2nd. So it was always fun watching Jake Putnam come on to pitch and see the energy that he brought, and he always had a lot of enthusiasm last summer as well. I had a chance to catch up with him earlier this week to get a little bit of a scouting report on his younger brother, Nick, and what Apple Sox fans can expect from him, as well as to catch up with Jake and see how his his college season at Santa Clara is going. We're joined now by a former pitcher for the Apple Sox, Jake Putnam, who's got a great connection to, of course, one of the Apple Sox signings this week. He's the older brother of Nick Putnam, a catcher, and Jake, it's really cool to keep the Putnam family name with the Apple Sox this season. I was chatting with uh, head coach Mitch Darlington earlier this week about it, and he mentioned that your brother is going to be staying with the same host family that you had last year. Pretty cool that, to see that. How excited are you for Nick to be playing in Wenatchee this year? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Brian and Lori, they were just an amazing host family. Um, so, so happy that Nick gets to stay with them and, you know, keep the Putnams alive in Wenatchee, and he's he's going to have a great summer. And just excited to follow him there, yeah. You had such a great year with the Apple Sox. You moved into that closer role and really had that down the stretch. Uh, any pressure on him to kind of fulfill a big role again on the Apple Sox like you did? No, I think he's gonna he's gonna make his his mark in a different place. You know, he's a he's a great defensive catcher. He's six seven, uh, so he's just gigantic behind the dish. And you know, he plays first base, and he's he's a really good defensive player, and just his bat's going to come alive and it's, he's going to, he's going to bring some, bring some juice for the Sox. Yeah. You've started to do it a little bit. I was going to be, my next question was give us a scouting report on him. What are some things that fans should be most excited about with him? As we mentioned, different position from you. He is a catcher. You're a pitcher. He's super smart. He's been catching 90 plus since he was in seventh grade. It's just so, so nice to always have, have a catcher when like, Growing up, I'm the pitcher, he's catching, and it's it was so awesome to have catch play partner for life. So he's very smart. He can handle anything thrown at him, and he's uh, he's a great pitch caller. So I think uh, the pitching coach for the Sox might be able to sit back and just let him let him do his thing, which he's he's really good at. Santa Barbara's they uh, they I think they really like him behind the plate also, and his bat's gonna be it's going to come along. So it's, I'm excited. It's really cool. You mentioned the the confidence that he brings as a catcher. You love that out of these younger guys. He's in his freshman year right now with the Gauchos. So it's really cool to hear that. And I think fans will be excited about that heading into the summer. You mentioned it was nice to have someone to, to play catch with a little bit growing up in him. Did you guys ever get a chance to maybe work together, pitcher, catcher in a live game scenario, or has that not happened? You know, we've we've uh, we've definitely done some live at bats against each other, and I've I've gotten him gotten him a couple times. So I think I uh, I'm winning that battle right now. But you know, he's he's young and grown into his body, and he's a freshman and older older brother right here. I'm just hoping that he uh, hoping for the best for him. Did you ever get a chance to have to work together as a battery mate in a live game? Did he ever catch you at any point? No, no, we've, we've, we're three years apart. So we, we missed, uh, I missed him in high school, but you never know, maybe come out for the Sox this summer and throw a couple innings and, you know, make that, uh, become a reality. We wouldn't mind that at all for sure. After, after last year, you, you mentioned his, his height at six, seven, I've seen him in a couple different things. He's probably still growing a bit as well. Uh, I believe you're about, is it six, six? So is he taller than you now? Yeah, he's taller than me, so I am. Uh, I don't go home much when he's there. Uh, yeah, he's 
being tall and and a catcher i mean it's kind of one of those positions oh you're tall you're going to be a pitcher but i think that's kind of really like fueled his fire like no i can i mean he's so flexible behind the plate and in all his different catching positions and receiving and i think he's like yeah i'm going to be the tallest catcher in the pros so that's kind of what drives him and i mean i'm he's got an arm also so Worst comes shove, you know, put him on the mound and he's going to do good. <laughs> it feels like every position player wants to pitch in the summer. Every position player wants every pitcher wants right. to hit. You know, they always want to do that. And you guys had a chance to do it a little bit late last year and you got a hit uh, late in the summer yeah. as well. Uh, take me through how your season's going so far. You guys after a, a really nice start at Santa Clara, 13 and seven. You've gotten in a few games as well. How How, how, how would you rate the beginning of the season so far? Yeah, you know, we... Um... Our team is just unbelievably good. Uh, this is probably the best best team I've been on in a, ever. Um, just the chemistry of guys from and the new freshmen coming in. And so we we just have a bunch of talent, and our pitching staff is is full of guys who are throwing ninety two plus. And it's opportunities on a team like that. Um, you know, it's it's good and bad, but the boys are playing well and we're winning ball games, so it's it's awesome to be a part of. So a couple gone in a couple outings and just gotta keep gotta keep putting the head down and working and I'll get some more down the road. So just gotta make the most of it. How much did you enjoy your summer last year in Wenatchee and how much do you think it really helped prepare you for this year of college baseball? I mean, it's the playing in the West Coast League is is I played in Alaska the year before and just the competition in, in uh, Wenatchee and what comes through the West Coast League are all Pac-12 guys we're seeing on the field this year. So it's really cool. Like you're you're getting to see guys you played against in the summer, but it's it's great competition um, building you up for the fall and and your season. So the summer go, coming off of the summer really put me in a good place in the fall and got me got me going. Take me through your side of the story because Mitch Darlington was telling me about how you took your jersey with you after uh, the season ended. Now, usually everyone, you're supposed to turn them in. You took yours with you. I've heard it from his side. Tell me your side of the story. How'd that come about? When'd you get the idea for that? And then from there, what happened? You know, I um, truthfully didn't didn't mean to take, bring my jersey home, although it is probably the coolest jersey I put on. You know, I just, yeah, it was in my, it was in my suitcase and I got home and was like, oh crap, like I still got it. But it's funny that it's, it, it works out that Nick's coming back and, you know, I could have said that I planted that seed there. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm really excited for, for the socks and for, for the kid to get out there. Are you expecting him to be wearing your number now that he's bringing it back? And which color did he bring? Is he going to be bringing back by the way? Oh, uh, it's the baby blue. The baby blue. Um, yeah, I mean that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, carry Sweet. carry the tradition along. That would be really neat. What was one of your maybe your favorite memories from last summer with the Apple Sox that kind of stands out to you? You had a lot of big moments on the mound, double digit outings. We talked about moving into that closer's role. Really, the most work you've gotten in college came last summer with the Apple Sox. Uh huh. Yeah, I think my the most favorite moment was uh, playing in Bellingham. Um, although it didn't go the way I wanted wanted it to go, it was just unbelievable game. Everybody was playing hard, and just the atmosphere there. And you know, we lost, but it was just such a good good team. And we just like after the game, there's some of your best friends you make in 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 your summer ball. So yeah, I would say that was probably one of my favorite memories. Is just although it was goodbye, we we're we're also keeping in touch, and it's been fun to keep up with the guys. Very cool. Jake, last question I've got for you. If you're having a hypothetical conversation with your brother, and I'm sure you've given him some tips and whatnot along the way, but if you were at telling him what to expect from a summer in Wenatchee, what would be some of the things you would be telling him? Uh, yeah, so I would uh, I would tell him that it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just, you know, there's a lot of young kids out there looking up at us, and uh, that's just sign all the autographs you can, just be a great person around the field, and the fan base is just truly awesome. Like knowing having people come up uh after a game and like shake your hand and know you by your last name it's a pretty cool pretty cool experience so um i think he's gonna he's gonna love the park and love the atmosphere and it's a grind you know i just remember that 
Canada trip where we're we're heading out, go to Canada, play, and then we're on the, right up back on the bus and we're playing the next day at in Wenatchee. So, you know, it's it's a grind and just take full advantage of it and gonna get a lot of at bats. So just make the most of it. Oh, absolutely. Well, Jake, thanks for giving us a little bit of a scouting report on your brother, as well as a, you know, a little update on how things are going for you and a reflection on your time at Wenatchee. Best of luck this coming spring here at Santa Clara. We'll be keeping an eye on you. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. Mitch, three players down this week. Who are the final two players, starting with the first of the two, to announce for this week's roster release? Yeah, last or uh, second to last player here for this week is Jacob Dahlstrom. Jacob is a junior at Vanguard University, teammate of Quincy Vassar. Jacob is a, a power right-handed arm, upper 80s, low 90s fastball with a good breaking ball and a changeup to pair with that. So really excited to have Jacob joining us next summer. You know, I feel like the theme for this week is we've been talking about you know, previous players doing recruiting or saying great things about us. And th that's exactly what happened here. Quincy Vassar uh, texted me this fall and, you know, mentioned Jacob's name. Uh, I had previously known about Jacob, you know, somewhat. He, he pitched at Bellevue Community College for a couple of years and their head coach had thrown out his name last year about, hey, you might want to keep an eye on this kid from the Northwest. He's down at Vanguard. And so, Kept an eye on him, and then when Quincy brought up his name again, I figured, hey, we, we probably need to pull the trigger on him. Looks like he's off to a great start for Vanguard, one of their main starters. Punches out a ton of guys. You know, his K per nine right now is is double digits. I think it's like above 10. So going to be gonna be a big asset for us. Not not sure what role uh, he'll be in. You know, he's, he's been a starter there. Could see him starting off and, and getting a few starts for the Apple Sox next summer and, and seeing where it goes from there. But a really talented kid, uh, has some West Coast League experience. I uh, believe he pitched a summer with the Walla Walla Sweets. So a, a good one to have in your pitching staff. And um, from everything I've heard, a great kid and, and a really competitive, competitive kid. So uh, excited about Jacob. Yeah, Jacob Dahlstrom, eight games pitched in as of this past Sunday, March 26th. Six of them, as you mentioned, he was primarily used as a starter. Six of eight games he's pitched in, he has started. Two and one with a 373 ERA, 36 strikeouts. As you mentioned, that K per nine, 10.34 is the official stat. 15 walks, 31 in the third innings. Kind of sounds like that workhorse type of starter is going to give you a lot of punch outs in there as well. So that's that's really fun to see in that regard, Mitch. And uh, I, I think that's got to be pretty exciting. Again, another connection you talked about hearing from Quincy Vassar. Um, Really cool to have that. And those two will both be on the Apple Sox. Of course, we mentioned that uh, Vassar is going to be with them as well. So really impressive stuff from him from the initial look, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Electric stuff, ton of punch outs. So, I mean, right off the bat, that either screams, okay, he, he's going to be a guy that's going to continue to start for us. And the other thing that comes to my mind is kind of a back-end, late-inning, closer type. But good stuff. Good stuff all around. So we'll see. We'll see how the that first couple of weeks goes. Um, the nice thing about NAIA baseball is typically those guys finish up a little earlier and are ready for opening weekend with you in the summer. So we'll we'll be excited and we'll get an early look at Jacob. He did pitch for Walla Walla back in 2021, as you also mentioned. Twelve games there, five of which he started. The ERA was a little bit higher, 726-0-5 in WCL action. Had some success in the non-league work, and frankly, probably some of that non-league competition that he was facing was probably more what he was used to at the college level at that point, having pitched at Bellevue. So that's my guess. 245 ERA that summer in three non-league games could be part of it. The The strikeout-to-walk ratio was nonetheless pretty solid. 33 strikeouts in WCL action in 2021 to just 19 walks. So that's a guy we're talking about from two years ago, though, as as we talked about, it's just that progression of players year to year cannot be undervalued. Sometimes you see guys come back and they're a completely different player from a year ago. So maybe they struggle one summer, they come back another, and they're on another level. And I'm looking forward to that with Dahlstrom because the numbers at Vanguard are so impressive. And you like to think that that, that taste he maybe got of some work against Division One talent a couple of years ago has really aided him well and he's ready to go in the second go around of the West coast league. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, 
I wouldn't say a key for us when recruiting a roster, but definitely something I like to look at is, um, you know, seeing those guys who have had previous West Coast League experience. You know, we got a couple guys from Spokane Falls coming to us, Andrew Monson and uh, Garrett Gores, who our fans saw last year. And, uh, you know, we're kind of expecting the same thing uh, with all these guys. You know, they've had a taste of West Coast League action. They face those Division One hitters. When you're 19, 20 years old, you know, you can't undervalue how important 12 months of working at your craft is, uh, especially for pitchers. It, it amazes me how a guy can be 85, 86, his freshman or sophomore year at a community college, and then he shows back up a summer later and he's he's touching a 90. It's like the the growth and the development that happens with these college guys, especially when you're that young, it, it's just crucial. And, it, and, and you, you see it, it's almost like a completely different player out there. It's even worth mentioning just about his teammate, Quincy Vassar. Apple Sox fans might not even remember it. He pitched against Wenatchee for one game in 2021. He was with Bellingham for it. And it wasn't a good outing. He he gave up one of the longest home runs of that summer for the Apple Sox. And when he took the mound for the first time with Wenatchee in 2022, I thought he doesn't even look remotely close to the person we saw even a year ago. And I look back at the highlight and it's like, he's bigger. He's got a beard for one. You know, he's a completely different man at this point. And that's the thing, though. These guys, they they grow up so much year to year over their college years, don't they, Mitch? Yeah, absolutely. And I hope I hope Quincy is listening to this podcast episode because I'm sure I'll I'm sure I'll be getting a text or a phone call here in the next few days after this post about us just bashing him for looking like a middle schooler on the mound back then. But <laughs> I don't um, want him to think we're well, bashing him. But my point is they grow up every year. So sorry, Quincy, if you're listening. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. These guys in a matter of just a year or two years, um, they develop so much and, and uh, they just become better players quickly. So uh, love to get those guys like Jacob, who's got uh, West coast league experience, has a taste for it. So he's, you know, he's, he's going to know what to expect when he shows up uh, and he's going to know what the competition level is. Mitch, you're wearing a big bend hat. So I'm thinking about this now too. Can you give me an example of a guy who during your time at big Ben from one year to the next just showed such incredible improvement? Maybe that's a, a position player or a pitcher. Oh man, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think of a guy that was there maybe when I was there. I mean, there's a bunch that come to mind, you know, as far as like even like a Brandon Ponce, you know, who was spent time at Big Bend and, you know, freshman year was solid, but nothing compared to what he put up his sophomore year. You know, I think Hunter Gibson is another one that, that we've, you know, we've already announced him that is going to be a little bit in that same boat. I think our fans saw him last summer uh, as he was coming off that arm injury and, uh, you know, he was kind of a mid mid to low 80s guy. And I, I really think that when they see him this summer, it's going to be night and day difference. He's he's having a great sophomore year at Big Ben this year. And, and so that's another one that kind of comes to mind. Yeah, it's I love seeing the progression, guys. And I love it when guys come back. You see a lot of that. Maybe it's a change in a delivery. Maybe it's just something to improve their velo. That's just talking about pitchers. We're not even talking about hitters for what they can do to improve. But Always fun to see that type of stuff. With that in mind, Mitch, let's move on to our final player to announce here this week as we are flying through these ones. Uh, the fifth player from a California college. Uh, who have we got for the final one? Yeah, it's the last one of this week. And we know we say California college, uh, you know, hasn't stepped foot on campus yet. Uh, he'll be an incoming freshman at Stanford next year. And that's Sebastian David uh, from Lakeside High School in Washington. Sebastian is a big time talent. I am I am beyond ecstatic to have him with us. A really special, special player, a, a name to keep your eye on as, as the draft approaches in July. He's got all the tools of, of a of, of a big time prospect in the middle infield. Play shortstop, good glove, solid defensively, good feet, good hands, strong arm across the diamond, you know, and the results and where he's been invited kind of speaks for himself. You know, he was an area codes kid, spent a little bit of time with I'm, I'm not sure which exact team or what exact level it was. But, you know, he's he's got a little experience with USA Baseball, has been all over national invites as far as area codes. 
Yeah, Mitch, a lot of acclaim for Sebastian David, not to mention when you Google him and you look for his baseball information, I think I sent you a link to this as well. There are a lot of different cards for him on eBay. So uh, pretty popular in that sense from his work with USA Baseball, looks like with their national team development program. So uh, really cool to see that kind of stuff from him and the different work that he's been able to get in in that regard. So I don't know, maybe some of our fans, if they're autograph pounds, they're going to go over to to eBay and get a couple of those cards, but always funny to me when we can kind of see these kind of guys at that point. Um, I just bought, I was just buying baseball cards today. I do this every year, right before opening day. So it was funny looking, just Googling him and seeing a few cards of him on eBay, but that kind of adds into that sense, Mitch, a lot of excitement about him for what he can do. Definitely. Yeah. He, uh, he's going to play a key role for us. You know, we're kind of planning on him being one of our main middle infielders this summer before he heads off to Stanford. And, you know, and it's another great connection to establish as well with the new school. Um, you know, I don't know the last time the Apple Sox have had a kid uh, or a player from Stanford. So a, a fun new relationship to establish with their coaching staff. And it's always fun to see Northwest kids, you know, head to head to big time schools like Stanford baseball. So uh, it'll it'll be fun to, to see him this summer in action and then to continue to follow his career as he progresses, because he's one of those kids you expect that. You know, he, the, the the game of baseball can take him a, a long ways. What has stood out about him the most to you from what you've seen, from what you've heard, you talked to him? Because it seems like of the five this week, this seems like this is one of those ones you're extremely excited about. Yeah, I think, you know, one, obviously his talent, you know, a big time talent, uh, but also his maturity, you know, in, in all the communication I've had with him. He's a, a kid that just seems really mature beyond his years very humble, but confident at the same time. You know, he knows what he's capable of. He knows that he can step right in. And I think he's ready to play in the West Coast League. And so that kind of jumps out to me, a kid that, that that's that talented, uh, heading to, you know, a big time program like Stanford. Uh, but at the same time is also very humble and just and, and very gracious to be able to come join the Apple Sox for a summer. It's always exciting having these incoming freshmen, Mitch. And at a high-profile position like the one he's at, we talked a little bit about that middle infield and the importance of it the last time we talked. Actually, on last week's podcast, I was touching on that. It's tough to play at you know that shortstop spot at Paul Thomas Senior Stadium. So how do you work with a guy like this where there's a thing where you, you've got to be careful with their confidence in a sense? In fact, yeah, there's, there's going to be some balls that just they're going to have a tough time with there. So how, how do you work with that with someone like Sebastian David who's going to come there and this isn't going to be like some of those nice fields maybe he's had an experience to play on a lot. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just helping Sebastian learn how our field plays and just getting a ton of reps on our infield uh, is going to make a big difference. You know, it, it's not the easiest place to play. It's more of just the playing surface that, you know, can kind of take those launch hops where they come up and bite you. But staying down and just and just training yourself to kind of learn how the field plays will make a big difference. But uh, like I said, the, the big thing with him, his maturity and his professionalism, uh, I think is going to go a long ways with that um, as far as just staying confident no matter what happens. Yeah, just a lot to like about him. Played in the perfect game national showcase as well. Uh, he's just been a part of a lot of different things. Um, a guy at Lakeside High School in just outside of Seattle and Washington. So in-state player and these incoming freshmen. We love to see these guys, uh, you know, maybe battling for that spot, potentially at shortstop to follow in the footsteps of Iva Arquette. And, you know, Mitch, these last two weeks of talking about some players, it seems like there's some really good depth of that shortstop position that's being built up on this summer's team. Yeah, we we just have a solid foundation in our in our middle infield there. You know, we mentioned Frankie Carney. You know, we've talked about Reeve Boyd and now Sebastian David. So just a few really good players up the middle that I think are going to compete for playing time, but, you know, also just make each other better. Uh, those guys being around each other all summer are going to sharpen each other's skills and, and push each other to get better. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be, be uh, very fun to see how it plays out. It's always hard to – project who the the big players are on each summer's team but there's a couple along the way we know that there's there's excitement with them there's there's a little bit to look forward to in that regard with what they're able to bring and you know I think Sebastian David falls on that territory and being that it's a shortstop you know shortstop and second last year were the core positions of this team 
Ivar Kett pretty much didn't he didn't get many days off at shortstop unless he was out of town at a showcase, which he was in late June, as you'll remember, of course. Um, he was gone for that. Beginning of June, he wasn't there. Joichiro Oyama only missed a couple of non a couple of non-league games. So it's nice to have a little more depth in that regard this year that we've got a couple more options in case guys do need a day off, but there's going to be some of these guys fighting for them. This potentially Sebastian David could be one of them. Who's going to be, you know, trying to be playing every single day because, and we're probably going to want him to, if everything goes exactly as planned. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough, you know, finding that right, that right uh, um, amount of depth for a summer baseball team, because you want the guys that come in, to be in your lineup almost every day. You want guys to have that consistency and get the reps and the ABs that they deserve. But at the same time, you know, with, with how tough it is to keep guys for a full season, you, you kind of got to have that layer of protection where you almost have about two players at a position or, you know, you don't want to go heavier than that, but you want that safety blanket of you, you have a couple guys that can play middle infield. You know, you have a couple guys that can get behind the dish and catch. You got, you know, four or five outfielders that can play. That way you're not scrambling when the time comes where guys have to take off or injuries happen. Um, It's tough to find that balance, but I think we have the right amount where guys are still going to be in the lineup consistently, but also in the same breath, you know, they're going to have to compete for every rep they get. And it's it's just going to make us a better ball club. Five guys this week from California colleges. It's always fun and exciting to talk about guys from the great state of California because of the baseball history and tradition it has Warm weather state. It's always nice to pull from these guys. They're getting that chance to train year round. What excites you about having these guys coming from some big, big name schools from California? Yeah, like you mentioned, some big name schools, but also there's just there's so much good talent in the state of California. Some of these guys being Washington natives, you know, heading to California schools, which is cool to see. You know, if, if you got a place to play, man, it's hard to beat California where it's warm weather all all year round. But then, you know, for some of these guys, it's nice to come up to the Northwest and get a little bit of a cooler summer as opposed to staying down there and having the temps above 100 every day. But um, no, uh, the big thing is, you know, these schools and establishing relationships with them, you know, the UC Santa Barbara's, the UC Irvine's, the Stanford's trying to get in with these really good schools, these good name schools um, who send you quality players. So that's the big thing. Yeah, and some new connections in there too. The the UC Irvine relationship growing, Santa Barbara school Apple Sarks are going back to, and Stanford. We saw a lot of guys from Stanford across the league last year. A couple, of, I shouldn't say a lot. We saw a few with some of the big name teams and some big names coming from Stanford. That's a nice little connection to be adding in there as well, Mitch. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you know, the the name of the school is not everything, but you know, obviously, when you're when you're pulling guys from the UCLA's, the Stanford's. The Oregon states, you know what type of talent and what type of quality of person and kid you're getting when you pull from schools like that. It's, you know, it's not a knock on the D2s, junior colleges, whatever it may be. There, there's great players everywhere. You just know what type of talent you're getting when you pull from schools like that. Yeah, very exciting to have those types of additions from these schools. And we said it last week, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily who it is it's it, what who the school is and and really who they are they could be someone each year and that for me is just so fun you never know what you're going to get maybe the guy coming from the flashy school isn't who he turns out to be maybe the guy who seemed like an afterthought is a core part of the team it's so fun watching guys establish their identity each year so and Mitch that's kind of proving is that regardless of where you come from at the beginning of the summer everyone is on the same playing field yep Yeah. You know, the big thing last year with last year's team was we had a ton of just junior college transfers that were that were heading to those big name schools, but had it step foot on campus. You know, I think the trend that we're seeing this year with this year's roster as we go is we're getting a lot of younger, a lot of younger guys. We're getting incoming freshmen that are heading to good schools and we're getting the freshmen at good schools. So I think as a coach, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Will our energy levels be better because we're a little bit younger and a little more inexperienced, you know, only time will tell on stuff like that, but it'll be fun to see how this kind of plays out. Should be just a a really exciting thing to see down the stretch here as we continue 
with these um, these roster announcements in the weeks to come. Mitch, it's been a fun talking about this week. We've got some more guys to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Before we let you go, of course, I fear we should talk about Major League Baseball with it getting started opening day on the day that this podcast releases. So uh, what are you excited about most from this MLB season? Got to be fun as a Mariners fan after how last season went. Yeah, really excited to see how the Mariners do again this year. You know, me and my wife are actually heading to Arizona here next week, and we'll have a chance to go see uh, the Diamondbacks. They open up with the Dodgers. So uh, my wife's favorite team is the Dodgers. So uh, she's pretty excited to go see them. And, you know, we've never been to Chase Field, obviously. So it'll be fun to get down there and, and, and catch a pro game. That'll be really exciting. I'm hoping to get to an NHL game or MLB. I'm thinking hockey still. I'm in hockey mode right now, but I'm hoping to get to an MLB game maybe over here. I'm about three hours from Kansas City. That's a park I haven't checked off on my checklist. I stopped by Denver on my way moving here to Nebraska last year. Stopped there for a quick uh, afternoon game. So that was cool. I might hit there on the way back out to Wenatchee in mid-May, but either way, really fun just to have baseball back in the sense. Just got to bring on the warmer weather. We're getting so close at this point. I'm ready for that, but uh, right around the corner. Going to be a lot of fun. And Mitch, we're looking forward to the next couple of podcasts as well. Uh, We're going to have a little different format these next couple of weeks just because of our busy schedules, but enjoy your time off. After that, it's the home stretch. We're talking, we're, we're getting closer and closer at that point. Once you're back, and I imagine you'll be kind of looking ahead and thinking, here we go. It's it's go time here for the Apple Sox in 2023. Yep, yep. Just soaking in these last couple months, spending a lot of time with the family. But, you know, all of us in, in the Darlington household are excited for uh, June to roll around and, and get back to the park and, and, and just see Apple Sox fans and our, and our guys and, and just get back to it going to be a lot of fun. Mitch, thanks for the time here today, and we will continue with the roster release these next couple of weeks as well. Appreciate it. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for tuning in to the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. If you enjoyed it and don't already, please subscribe to get updates on our newest episodes. Make sure to like the Apple Sox on Facebook and follow at Apple Sox on Twitter or Instagram. Wenatchee Apple Sox baseball, celebrating summer one inning at a time.